Alrighty, we should be live on Rumble. We'll just give it a second, make sure it's going through, and then we'll jump up on YouTube. Alrighty, Rumble's coming through. Just waiting on YouTube to read us now, actually. There we go. All right, and here we go on to YouTube. Great, and we should be live on both YouTube and Rumble. So welcome, everyone, to Forge and Anvil, where we hammer out uncomfortable conversations to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. Tonight, we'll discuss how Tucker Carlson released unseen footage of January 6, 2021, that has many people questioning what exactly happened on that day. Beyond this, we will discuss John MacArthur calling out Andy Stanley and Tim Keller at Grace Community Church Shepherd Conference. Finally, we will discuss the story of a Christian high school girls basketball team withdrawing from their state tournament rather than playing against a team player with a six foot one transgender player. We'll ask the question, was this an effective strategy to oppose transgenderism? All this and much more. It's Monday Night Live, so drop your questions in the chat, and we'll answer them at the end of each topic. I'm joined tonight by first-time guest, John Root. So, John, please tell the audience who you are and what you do. Well, Connor, thanks so much for having me, man. It's always fun to do these and have tough conversations. I hope the chat is going to be lively, because I'm happy to answer whatever questions people have. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Shepherds Conference, because I was just there this last week, but I'm a TPUSA Faith contributor, so I work for Turning Point USA, a conservative nonprofit that I'm sure many people have heard of because of Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and the big events we have throughout the year. Uh, but most importantly, I'm a Christian that sticks to scripture, and that's the way I base my life. I can be held accountable. I can be encouraged and every other part of my life. It can be used. I, you could use scripture to rebuke me, to encourage me, whatever it may be. Hopefully you're not praising me and then we can just praise God for the opportunities presented us and where we are in a time such as this to talk about so much insane stuff going on in the world. But right now I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, if anybody wants to know specifics in my location, but I travel around the country covering a lot of stuff, especially with transgenders in women's sports. I was at the NCAA Swimming Championships when Leah Thomas competed. Mm. out there and if people looked at my platform they can see i cover a lot of that stuff and especially sports has been my life i worked for the san jose sharks golden state warriors organization did some stuff with nbc sports in the bay area i thought i was going to be a sports center anchor for much of my life and yeah. then they took a major turn so from sports to politics the religion and culture it's been a wild ride but let's dive in brother that's awesome, man. Well, welcome. Super glad to have you. Um, yeah, we'll just drive straight into the deep end with our first story. So uh, Tucker Carlson's team has been combing through 40,000 hours of footage from the Capitol. And to the surprise of nobody who have been paying attention, the insurrection looks like a supersized nothing burger. Furthermore, we now have proof that J6 committee members lied to the public. Below are just a few key revelations. So the first one we see here, footage shows that the QAnon shaman was escorted by police throughout the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th riot. 
The QAnon shaman's real name is Jacob Chansley, who in September 2021 pleaded guilty to one count of obstructing an official proceeding and was sentenced to 41 months in prison that November, according to the New York Post. So the second thing that came out of the footage, Carlson released footage of Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, walking around the Capitol healthy after the media claimed he had been killed by Trump supporters. Then the third thing here, uh, remember the infamous video of Josh Hawley running away from the chaos on January 6th? Well, never before seen J6 footage shows that he was in fact one of many lawmakers running away from the chaos in that moment and was actually at the back of the pack. So all those videos can be found. I'll link them in the show notes um, after the stream. But uh, John, what was your initial reaction to that crazy story? Well, first reaction is I'm not surprised because we've been saying this for a long time and anything can get manipulated nowadays. And the probably the worst part was they're comparing this. I'm, when I say they, I'm saying the leftist politicians like Ilhan Omar, the current administration. We're trying to say this is almost like a 9-11 attack, almost even worse. And I can't think of anything more disrespectful to the people that lost their lives and the family, there's families that are still feeling the effects of 9-11. Like people can get into the other aspects of 9-11 was planned or something like that. Like forget all that. That was a time where we really came together, something that Graham Allen, who I do a lot of work with at Turning Point USA, talks so much about September 12th, how we yeah. really came together that day. And that was based off a legitimate tragedy, a legitimate attack on our nation. This was not a legitimate attack on our democracy, <laughs> on our uh, uh, on our republic, nothing like that. And it's so funny to me that you have so many people on the left, whether they're in media or they have some sort of platform, they're trying to double down and triple down and discredit Tucker Carlson, who has an incredible team. And um, David Hogg, I think people know who David Hogg is. He was like, there's no way he could go through 40 hours of footage in just about a week. And it's like, all right, this is when you probably should have gone to college. Got a little <laughs> bit more education to understand how he can have a large team that can divvy up all of this 40 hours and find yeah. out the truth. And then we see, too, the videos that you're probably going to link in the show notes goes to show how manipulative the January 6th committee's been. And no matter if you're on the right or the left, taxpayer dollars were used for this absolute sham of a committee. So anytime we see someone talk about January 6th, show them what Tucker Carlson's team, and thanks Fox News for allowing him to put this story together because – Media, no matter what, is going to have some sort of spin to it. And there's definitely times where being silent about things can be advantageous for that base because there's plenty of times you know that Fox News did not care for Donald Trump whatsoever. But at this point, it's all about truth. It's not about politics. We want to know the truth about what happened. And then now it's for the public to see. And that's what we've always been looking for, whether it right. comes to a Kyle Rittenhouse case, whether it comes to January 6th, release the footage for people to see 
And the same thing happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. You release all the footage. You got Drew Hernandez that does work with Turning Point USA as a host of Frontlines. And he was able to testify. And he's an investigative journalist that said, no, 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 no. Like what the media is reporting is, is false. Kyle Rittenhouse was not there hunting people down. And this was not unprovoked. And when it comes to January 6th, people are now getting an understanding that we need to see all the footage. It's the same thing, too. Like, I know it's a hot button, and I know this is a long-winded answer, Connor. I'm sorry. Is oh, no, you're fine. When you have um, the summer of love, everything that led to the BLM riots, look at the police footage of what led to that. Right. Look at Derek Chauvin and the rest of the police officers' actions. This was not just some murder that happened. It wasn't just, oh, we pulled some guy out of the car that happened to have some counterfeit bills and they decided just to uh, murder a black man. That's not what happened. Release the footage, allow people to put two and two together. The same thing has happened with COVID. I know we just had uh, Matt Taibbi. I, I hope I'm saying his, his last name right, but he released the Twitter files. Uh, and he was the journalist that has now gone in front of the so-called uh, journalist. Yeah. So-called yes. journalist. <laughs> and, and went to say that, you know, media and these politicians really don't think the public is smart enough to be able to decide for themselves what really happens with COVID. If they really want to get a shot or not, do they want to go with natural immunity? Was January 6th what, really what we thought it was? Did George Floyd um, get murdered? Uh, you know, all these things. And did Kyle Rittenhouse just go kill men in cold blood? Release the footage. But the media and politicians and elites don't think that we're smart enough. And I think in a lot of ways, the public has been dumb enough to allow them to manipulate us and not ask for things like release the footage. We can put it together ourselves. We can say two plus two equals four. Right. Right. There's a obvious aversion to transparency coming out of Washington, which I guess is nothing new really for our political landscape. <laughs> yeah. That's all we're looking for is we want transparency and accountability. Uh, right. But also to like, we're going to be people more on the conservative side, but that doesn't mean that people that call themselves conservative or have an R on their chest are not corrupt themselves. We want accountability across the board. We yeah. want an understanding that if someone like Fauci is going to use our taxpayer dollars to manipulate us and tear families apart. And with the January 6th committee, there's people now that just think it is the worst thing that ever happened to United States of America. And they're just puppets that are talking about, they're using talking points they find on left-wing media, but we want people to be held accountable across the board. It's not just the left. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is a line of thinking that just popped in my head. I hadn't thought of this before, but what do you think that young Americans, how do you think young Americans are processing the January 6th claims? Because, you know, to them, many of the Gen Z individuals were either not alive or were very, very small when 9-11 happened. And then, of course, um, you know, the other one that they've compared it to is Pearl Harbor, which is, of course, you know, to those individuals, even much more distant, um, you know, history. So do you feel like to some degree, the lack of us having a real domestic emergency is part of what 
allows the media to really drum up the narrative so much easier. Well, especially to when young people are going to these indoctrination centers called universities, mm-hmm. this is not higher learning. This is higher indoctrination. They're being indoctrinated when they're in elementary school and then they go to high school and then they go to college and they're not, they're hearing a revisionist history mm-hmm. or they're just not even being told about these things at all. And when you have no recollection of what 9-11 was like, because you were too young or you weren't born yet, you look at something like this and, you know, what happens here? You put Donald Trump with anything that led to a death, because obviously there was a death of a police officer that was the way that that was reported was disgusting as well. Basically just trying to say killed at the hands of Trump supporters. You have a younger generation that is more liberal and godless than ever. And you just put Trump inside of that. And all they're going to hear is talking points from their favorite celebrities and um, singers and influencers on TikTok, And they're going to puppet for the left. So young people, I think in some ways they could care less about politics, but in other ways they're going to be like, yes, I am 100% against this thing that was an attack on our democracy. Uh, Also, too, there's young people that have no idea we're a constitutional republic. So even when you come out and say (laughs) things like this was an attack on democracy, you clearly don't even understand the way our government is run. And the big thing, too, is young people are not watching Tucker Carlson. You have yeah. people like us who are a little bit more middle age, and you're going to have the older generation. They're going to watch Tucker Carlson. You hope that that finds some traction on social media. You hope that people start repurposing some of that content and putting it on TikTok and meeting these young people where they're at. Um, so I think in general, young people are going to go with whatever's trendy. And at the same time, too, it's been so long that they have now been indoctrinated that they will not hear anything of the sort that will try to dismantle their already ingrained line of thinking that this was an attack on democracy and thank God uh, nothing worse happened. And thank God our Lord and savior, Joe Biden got in office (laughs) and Kamala Harris. So we could see more diversity. We could see more peace while at the same time, totally disregarding the billions of dollars in damage and the, dozens of lives that were lost uh, or unbelievably affected financially or emotionally through the BLM riots. So I think in general, young people could care less. Young people are indoctrinated, so they won't hear any different. But there's also some amazing young people on the conservative side that really want to use their platform to be like, some, some of them will be like, hey, look at you, I told you, like in your face kind of situation. But a lot of them, are great young conservative Gen Zers that just want people to know, hey, look into this a little bit further. Stop being so uh, reactionary and so tribalistic uh, about this. Here's the truth. And that's that's all you should ever want. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, what I think is really interesting is that this entire January 6th narrative has really been used uh, to ramp up the government assault on its own citizens 
and mm. labeling its own citizens as domestic terrorists, such as, I mean, this isn't directly tied to January 6th, but they conflate the two, um, you know, the uh, parents at school boards being labeled domestic terrorists, for example. Um, so how do you think that law abiding law abiding citizens should respond to this kind of slander that's being perpetrated by the federal government? Well, there's times you see so many videos of fathers being incredibly upset. Uh, just look at what happened with some of the Virginia school board yeah. uh, members. Uh, look what happened. I Gosh, I don't remember the state, but there was a pastor that basically got thrown out of a meeting uh, where they're allowing men in women's restrooms. There's drag queen story hours. There's drag queen uh, events at their schools that these parents don't know about. And of course they're coming up to these school board meetings, which some school boards are not even allowing them to speak. Yeah. These school board meetings know that they're just going to have to be torn apart. And this is not about accepting a lifestyle. This is dangerous for kids. Right. You are sexualizing kids. In, in what world would you ever even allow a heterosexual stripper at right. a school why are we allowing drag queens and then some of these kids are starting to dress up themselves and what parents i i, don't, I have no idea what it's like to be a parent so i can't give any sort of parental advice about something that i i don't know about um but i do know with the conversations i've had with parents they've decided enough is enough my kid is at risk and they're pulling them out of these public schools, but they also know there's plenty of friends and family that have their kids in these schools that just can't afford to do homeschool or send them to a private school. And then sometimes these private schools can be just as lenient. And that's where they're kind of starting to take it into their own hands to say, like, who do you think you are uh, to sexualize my child like this, to be promoting this kind of sex ed for I mean, there's kids as young as kindergartners that are yeah. learning about sex. Yeah. There's kids as, as young as first and second grade that are learning about, you know, anal beads and butt plugs. And if people are jumping in here, sorry if that's not allowed to be said <laughs> on these, these lives. Um, but these things lead to indoctrinating kids to think that sexual perversion is somehow okay if you have a weird feeling about it, it's just because you're not experienced. That's what's happening at these events. And yeah. all it is, is ushering in a godless, meaningless, secular religion. That's, that's all this is. They don't want to have any sort of Bible reading story hours. Heaven forbid Drew that Kevin ever tried doing that and they tried to shut it down. Luckily he pushed back and eventually won the day, but Yeah there's a obvious hostility towards flipping the narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it gets to a point where it's like, this is not unloving to go in and tell people like it is school boards. They, the left understood that that was something we were not watching over as conservatives, as Christians, that they were able to insert these absolutely insane perverts to come in here and, and allow this stuff. Um, yeah. And no wonder we're living in a generation where, Either there's something in the water or we're just completely insane because more kids are now identifying as bisexual, lesbian, and gay. Oh, it's multifaceted. Like it, it's 
like it's either there's indoctrination or there's something in the water. That's it's both. <laughs> it's both. I don't know if you're familiar with John Moody. Um, yeah. But uh, I was listening to a great podcast where he was talking all about uh, about just the many different chemicals in our in our foods and in our daily household products. And that's a whole other trail that we don't have time to explore tonight, but it's really, it's multifaceted. Unfortunately, there is a social contagion to it as well as I think there is an outright, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that all of it's intentional. I think some of it is ignorance, but there is um, probably a degree of intentional chemical warfare as well. And it's wild that we are growing up in this generation that is now seeing the effects of all this. Yeah, and that's why Hershey's chocolate's got to be uh, gay now. It's got to yeah. be trans. It's got to every single thing is got to be something I tweeted out recently. And I know, <laughs> oh man, I, I do a good job of ruffling some feathers, uh, but I also feel like I, I'm just kind of unleashed now. A lot of stuff that I feel like I couldn't say in my career in sports media, I'm going to say now. There's all this talk about Christian nationalism and the dangers of um, there, there is actual dangers of Christian nationalism, no doubt of using the Bible out of context to try to get some sort of political power, um, or usher in the second coming of God somehow. Um, but just cause people love America and they love their God doesn't mean that they're dangerous. Right. But if there's all this talk about Christian nationalism, why is there no talk about LGBTQ nationalism? LGBTQ right. is trying to insert themselves into every aspect of society. That's why you're seeing beauty companies elevating trans women. If you trans, just start saying fake women. If it, if it says trans and then woman or man is following that, it just means fake the next thing you hear. So you right. have a fake woman that's now telling women what femininity is, is like. And right. that's why you have companies like Hershey's that are starting to dive into this. And this is LGBTQ nationalism. But people are not going to see that as dangerous. They're going to see that as finally we're in such an accepting lifestyle. But what has that acceptance led to? That's led to the dismantling of God's bride, the church, a dismantling of the education system, almost a dismantling of the political system. And basically every single sphere you can think of, the alphabet mafia is trying to insert themselves. I don't know why there's no talk about they're colonizing very well. I mean, when you see the U.S. embassies, they're flying the pride flag. You know, they're they're not flying the U.S. flag or at best they're flying both flags, you know. And then um, I just saw a viral video that went uh, all over the Internet this last week of uh, of a guy driving his truck over. It was the transgender flag um yeah or whatever whichever new variation of the pride flag it was that was painted in the streets and there's you know, always they're, more they're... shapes and more colors yeah oh yeah <laughs> we're gonna get uh, some serious seizures next time uh, they come up with a new <laughs> variation but uh yeah no the you know the the truck driver he like did a burnout or something like that on it and they're yeah. reviewing the security tapes and they're saying like we're gonna investigate this guy make sure that you know if he did this intentional that he's held to account and it's like, you want to prosecute a guy for doing a burnout on a flag that you painted on a road, but you don't want to prosecute so many of the other violent crimes that are happening on in our, in, in our inner cities. And that's a whole other can of worms, but it's a, it's a hate crime now though. Like they are a protected group and you're going to have politicians that are going to platform on this. 
We yeah. are now going to be a part of the political group, a part of a political era that is going to make every part of America more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. DEI. Yep. You see that in, in every aspect of society. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy, they find this guy, he's going to get thrown in jail. Um, yeah. But, you know, hopefully you have uh, some amazing law firms like Alliance Defending Freedom that defend a lot of college students. Uh, they've defended coaches just for praying um, at sports games and getting fired for that. Uh, you got a lot of really powerful conservative Christians uh, excuse me, Christian conservatives out there that, you know, really have said, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight, but that's what's happened is they, they are a protected class. And then you even see with Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, they just had uh, a speech at the NAACP awards talking about how they need to protect black trans children and they're now a part of our protected group. And like people know that I'm sure that watch your show, like there is a hierarchy of oppression. Intersectionality. It's, yeah, that's it. And then Vody Bauckham, if people aren't familiar with him, he does an incredible job breaking down intersectionality. Um, yep. Oh, yeah. There I, we go. Just, I actually just bought that bought that book of about 17 books. I bought this last week when I was at Shepherd's Conference. But there's a hierarchy of of oppression. I mean, yep. obviously, if. Um, if you're a woman, you're going to be on there. If you're black or a part, uh, or consider yourself a person of color, you're going to be there. And then if you are, uh, Muslim, you're going to be on that as well. And then if you start combining some of those things where I am a black trans Muslim, it's like, now you've reached a major yeah. point where you're going to be extra protected. Uh, but on the other side, it's going to be like, well, if you're white, uh, you've had everything handed to you. Uh, you have the innate sin of racism ingrained in your blood. So there's nothing you can do. It's the uh, original find, sin. Yeah. yeah. To find forgiveness. Because we always know that like the original sin was not uh, disobeying God's commands. It was, I, I think Adam was racist to one of the animals there or something. I Probably. I don't remember. <laughs> that's in some, that's in some Bible out there. Oh, I'm sure. Have you ever read Age of Entitlement by Christopher Caldwell? I haven't. So that's a really great book. In fact, I know Charlie's referenced it about a billion times, so I'm surprised he hasn't required you to read that. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, uh, it's a really interesting read because it it covers America since the 60s. Specifically, it kind of picks up at 1963 with the assassination of Mm -hmm. JFK and kind of moves through LBJ and the Great Society Act. But it does talk a lot about the the idea that the civil rights movement is just constantly being replicated. Um, and that's where we see, you know, it started with, with obviously a legitimate cause of, of, you know, the black Americans wanting to end segregation. And that's an actual cause that we, we agree with, you know, um, that's a good mm. thing. Um, you know, some of what happened as a result of the legislation, that's iffy, but that's a whole other topic. But but then it gets emulated and copy and paste to um, to gay lesbian couples. And now it's turning into transgender. And to be honest, there's right behind it is some nastier and nastier things that we're already seeing creep out, which is probably going to be, you know, um, I'll, I'll keep it YouTube friendly and just say uh, adult um, 
trying to get consent from individuals who happen to be younger. You know, um, unfortunately, Ma that's just maps. where it's pushing. We could say we could say maps. Maps. And then people, that's right. People, Thank you. Thank you. Look that, how bigoted of me. Look that up. Uh, <laughs> everybody can look that up and make sure you don't get deplatformed. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Shara Joel in the chat earlier, she had said that's one of the many reasons why she homeschools and that the younger generation doesn't know how to think for themselves at all. And good for you, Shara. We need more homeschoolers. That's for sure. I love that. Yeah, well, let's let's move on to uh, next story here. We can talk a little bit more about uh, about ShepCon. So um, during a Q&A session at Shepherd Conference, John MacArthur criticizes Tim Keller and Andy Stanley for being more worried about how the world thinks than feeding the flock of God. So here's the direct quote. There's an inordinate affection, strange to say, for the culture. There's a driving desire that's twisted to reach the culture. You can go back to Tim Keller's mandates for urban renewal or Andy Stanley's welcoming all the homosexuals because he wants to reach them. But pastoral ministry is not about changing the culture. And if you define it theologically, your church will never have anyone who's a genuine member who's not a part of the remnant. Uh, but I think ministry has been woefully lacking to the souls of the people of God. And so they have struggled and they have been wounded. They have been without biblical teaching without solid doctrine, without nourishing truth, while everybody is worried about what the world thinks and making sure we identify with the world and its lifestyle and its music and all that when feeding the flock of God is how we discharge our ministry and how the Lord builds his church. So there's a lot packed into that quote there. But uh, I know, John, you got to uh, sit and actually hear it live. So um, what was your initial thoughts to that Q&A session and what... Uh, uh, MacArthur was kind of um, talking about there. First and foremost, it's refreshing because mm -hmm. if you're going to have people like Tim Keller and Andy Stanley, they're, they're, they're going to be platformed and they're going to go and spew this uh, for the world to hear. Why would people get mad at John MacArthur for calling this out or mm -hmm. any other Bible believing Christian shepherd calling out this nonsense because I believe they call it out because they love them, not just so they can gain some, some sort of political points or followers or some sort of clout. I think it, it's fascinating this last week being around so many incredible pastors. That's another thing. Just, we were talking about parenting. I don't know what it's like to be a, a parent and I don't know what it's like to be a pastor, but when we talk to pastors, we understand how much work these men do and how much they really care about the word of God and making sure that they aren't deceivers. Mm. And when they see people like Andy Stanley, if we start with him specifically, he came up at the pulpit and basically said, LGBTQ people have more faith than Bible believing Christians in his congregation, just because they have been told of their sin and told to flee their sin just because those people keep coming back to church and want to volunteer a lot. They have more faith than Bible believing Christians. That is insane. Mm. And anytime people watch people like Andy Stanley or Tim Keller, and it's fascinating too. I've read some Tim Keller stuff and I think he's done some incredible work. And I, right. I, I think there's more people that would talk about Tim Keller saying, Hey, I think you're off on a few of these things here. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not with you there, but on the Andy Stanley side, they're like, this guy's completely lost it. 
this this guy has gone into uh i think i don't want to misquote here um but i don't know if it's johnny mack uh or somebody else or if it was like phil johnson or mike riccardi said that they've completely gone into apostasy um mm. or andy stanley has and i think that's 100 true and people should always look at uh when john MacArthur calls people out or calls out some sort of movement it's always with um i think paul does this as well in his writings where this is wrong and this is why it's wrong not saying that johnny mac is the apostle paul but what we should always see from a shepherd that is making sure that their congregation gets the word or they go to a conference like shepherd's conference this is wrong and this is why it's wrong scripturally. This is not my opinion. This is not my experience. Scripturally, this is why it's wrong. And I feel right. like people need to stop just digesting 30-second clips. Because mm. especially when it comes to faith, like what did they say before and after? I know there was a uh, Johnny Mac uh, video that went viral on Twitter talking about the charismatic movement. But that was from his strange fire conference in 2013. Right. Um, it was years ago. It was a decade ago. And people tried sharing it like that was somehow his direct response to the Jesus Revolution movie. Mm. Johnny Max had a great relationship seemingly with Chuck Smith and a lot of you know healthy debate. Um, but when he calls these things out and these dangers of the charismatic movement, it's because it's all based off scripture. We can have right. little open-handed issues about eschatology. If people go back and they need to listen to the final sermon there, because Johnny Mac wasn't able to do the opening of Shepherd's Conference. He usually does the opening in mm -hmm. the end, but the end was the last three chapters of Zechariah, and then he gave out a 400-page commentary um, <laughs> that hasn't been released yet. But when this is called out, I think it's one of the most loving things you can do because they genuinely care. They care about yeah. the position that God has provided them. And if they see anybody that is going to lead a flock astray based on these new cultural norms of acceptance and postmodern thought, that is just, that's been uh, Daryl Harrison, uh, one of the hosts of the Just Thinking podcast, director of Grace to You digital platforms over there yeah, connected with great. Grace Community Church. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. he, he did a... Um, a breakout session called the deception of wokeness. And he talks about how um, this postmodern deconstructionism is not just seeped its way into the church. It's been welcomed through the front door. Mm, so when you have yeah. people like Andy Stanley that are, that are welcoming this, this is not, Oh, we decided to have some panel discussion at church one day. And somebody said something that was not based on our doctrinal statement. Um, I think in general it was a great conference and I appreciate when I hear stuff like this because hopefully it leads to healthy debate because there's plenty of people that just desperately want people um, who are given these positions of authority from Christ, supposedly in some circumstances, and they're just, they're deceiving people and manipulating people uh, with God's word that hopefully gives us a sense of personal responsibility that we need to know it better. <laughs> So we yeah. can determine and discern when uh, we're being deceived. 
Yeah, and we've got a question in the chat from Shara Joel. She said, uh, why do you think that most church leaders refuse to call out bad, heretical, or apostate teachers? Because they've been told it's not loving. You know, what's, mm-hmm. I mean, we just need to go to like the Matthew 18 model uh, where a lot of these pastors, that's what's fascinating this last week, they know what's going on in the Christian circles. A lot of these people aren't naive, especially uh, a lot of big name pastors. Um, right. They, they know what's going on, but they've been told that, oh, all you do is unify. For some reason, Christianity has now been coined as an inclusive religion. It has never mm. been an inclusive religion. It's always been exclusive. Right. And thanks to the Everyone's welcome, of- but that doesn't mean that everyone is going to accept the message. Exactly. And that's why there's churches that you hear some of the phrases. People should look this up on, on YouTube after the show's over. Churches that are saying you belong before you believe. No, 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 mm. no, 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 no. You should go to a church like my church. I have an incredible church out here. Pastor Sean Myers, Pella Communities Church, downtown Glendale uh, in Arizona. Not a very big church. It started in 2020. When we have communion, we have an elder or our pastor go up there and say, we are about to take communion. This represents uh, Christ's blood and body, the sacrifice made for us, um, the sacrifice we should have had to make uh, ourselves. Um, And if you are not a Christian, you don't believe that Jesus is Lord, we ask you to stay in your seat. Mm. So we basically say in other terms, Fencing the table. You you don't belong here. And there's, there's no point in you participating in this as people would maybe just call it a religious um, uh, ritual. If you're not a part of us Um, Mm. and it's not even about a part of us. It's about uh, being a part of um, the family of God, uh, being a child of God. So when someone's asking, why don't people um, do this? I think the easiest breakdown is there is a fear of man. Mm. They are terrified for people in their congregation to potentially say, I don't know if that was loving. Um, mm. and, and maybe if they don't feel comfortable um, calling pastors out by name, they can at least address the situation. Um, and when someone like Andy Stanley gets platform, not every pastor is going to have a direct connection to Andy Stanley. They're not going to be able to be like, hey, Andy, just saw this viral clip. Like, I'd really like to live out Matthew 18 with you real quick. Right. Um, But everything should be about not you, not for the glory of me as a pastor, not for the glory of me as someone that has some sort of prominence in the social media space. Everything is for the glory of God. And if someone is given a platform um, and authority as pastor and they're leading people astray, there's no reason they should call it out, but the only reason they don't is because of a fear of man. Yeah. We're sacrificing biblical truth on the altar of kindness. Yes. And yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. I actually had an exchange with uh, Ryan Visconti. I I'm assuming I'm saying his last name correctly. There, yeah, but, you are. But uh, um, I had an exchange with him on Twitter. He was saying uh, the seeker sensitive movement started with good motives, but it catered to seekers at the expense of believers when you don't disciple the found, you lose the ability to reach to reach the lost. And eventually the church is at risk of apostasy. And 
I replied to him and I said, that's why it's important to sometimes preach to the choir in case the choir needs real preaching. And he replied and said, uh, I think preaching should be like pastors setting a meal before believers, cutting up some small bites for baby Christians and inviting the lost in to watch as they see, smell and hear the hunger in them rises up. Then you invite them to join you at the table, i.e. evangelism. And I thought that was an incredible analogy. Yeah, and I, Ryan's out here, and uh, I know Ryan and I disagree on on a few things here, um, and I think that's been like fairly recently. Mm. Uh, but it's it's a good breakdown of how we should live our life as as Christians and who right. we are and, and what we're what we're a part of, and it totally dismantles the you belong before you believe and. Our authority is scripture. Everything we do should be based off scripture. And if people are certain, like we're even seeing now, Daryl broke it down. I'm trying to find some of the, uh, the quotes uh, from him in here when he was talking about the uh, deception of, of wokeness. But when he's talking about uh, this idea of, uh, let's see. I'm going to try to find it here. Uh, basically how you have critical theory that's found its way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had this aspect of people are going to bring up uh, postmodernism. Postmodernism right. is what's rooted in deconstructionism. And deconstructionism right. is telling people, you know what? What you've been taught for so long, you need to dismantle some of these tenets. And you need to start inserting these different pillars from culture and now in our heightened state of intelligence, because that's all postmodernism is and deconstructionism is, is building our own intellectual tower of Babel and telling people that you need to start caring about social justice uh, more than just preaching the word of God. It's all about. No, we need to look at the Bible through this specific current cultural lens. And all it does is ice Jesus the text. So when Ryan's breaking that down, it's like, here's what evangelism looks like. Here's what we are a part of. Here's me as a pastor, what I'm supposed to be providing you. And I can appreciate that from Ryan. And I know with Ryan, with some of our, we've had some, some pretty heavy disagreements on, on some things. You know, I have told them like, you do speak some pretty incredible truths from the pulpit. There's some people I go to work with that go to his church that uh, can really appreciate the biblical breakdown he gives on things like yeah. that. Um, and realistically, to... I can't say I know him at all beyond a Twitter follow, but <laughs> that exchange was definitely well worth bringing up because great nuggets of truth. We, you know, with all things, we, it's like eating a steak. You, you swallow the nutrition and you, and you spit out the grit. Yep. Exactly. And that's, that's, what's fun about our culture, isn't it now? Like if we're talking about uh, a good part of our culture, we can connect with pastors all across the country. We can connect with celebrities and other Christians. Uh, Obviously we need to find our community in person at a local church, but you can have an interaction like that uh, (laughs) with a, with a pastor out of Arizona. And you're like, Oh, that was, that was sweet. I I normally wouldn't have this interaction anywhere else. Yeah. I used to be in Arizona too. So it was a, it was nice to, connect with more people now because i i was off social media for a good two years and if you've never done it i recommend it <laughs> i even but, took uh, 10 days off and i i enjoyed it people should awesome. take 
a little sabbatical from social media. And I don't care if, uh, I don't really even have that much of a following at all, but uh, I, I know I definitely keep up with social media quite a bit. There's stuff that happens. I want to make sure people get the information. I'm going to give some hot takes on stuff, right. but sometimes it starts becoming an idol in your life. And, you know, if you're taking that free time and you're just scrolling and just mindlessly sometimes telling yourself like, Oh, I don't want to miss out on anything. Take yep. a week off of social media and you'll realize you'll wake up in the morning. You're happier. You're going to bed at uh, a proper time and you're not having um, endless conversations with people that generally don't care about you and don't care about healthy yeah. debate at all. Yeah. If anyone needs a resource, just look up how to do a dopamine detox and you can find some <laughs> great YouTube videos that'll really help you with that. But let's <laughs> yeah. go into our next story. Speaking of hot takes, I'm sure you'll have one from this. So this is from notthebee.com. A Vermont Christian High School's girls basketball team withdrew from their Division Four state tournament last week rather than play against an opposing squad that has a six foot one transgender player who dominates, guards the whole post, and just does not let anything come through the lane. The Mid Vermont Christian School Eagles voluntarily forfeited their playoff game in protest against their opponent, the Long Trail School Mountain Lions, who have the biological male on their team. Head of the school for uh, MVCS, Vicki Fogg, had this to say about the team's decision. Quote, We believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. End quote. Coach Courtney Stasny of the Mountain Lions has previously boasted about her transgender player, who at six foot one is the tallest member of their team. Quote, Rose brings such a great energy to the floor. We nicknamed her uh, Rose, not in my house, Johnson, because she just does not let anyone, anything come through the lane. So that's the, the quick gist of the story there. But uh, what are your initial thoughts on that, John? Uh, and I know there's a little follow-up to that because Mid-Vermont Christian School uh, was just ousted from Vermont Principals Association. Mm. Um, and, you know, the fallout continues. I know this this article from, uh, where is this from? Benningtonbanner.com saying the fallout continues after Mid-Vermont Christian School's decision to withdraw their girls' basketball team uh, for playing a transgender opponent. Vermont Principals Association issued a letter to mid Vermont Christian schools on Monday afternoon stating that the private school is now ineligible to participate in VPA sanctioned activities effective immediately. Hmm. And this is all based off them forfeiting that first round matchup against long trail. That's what happens. Like it's, we're now at this, this point where a Christian school is saying we would much rather stick with the virtues and values that are supposed to be ingrained in sports than to try to compete against someone that creates an unfair environment. What's the, what's the beauty of sports? It's meritocracy. Sports should be a level playing field in the sense of every single person is the gender that they are. When you go, when I went to see Leah Thomas in the national championships, it was fascinating and depressing to see the reactions 
by both parents, coaches, and athletes. If you get out there and you have a male competing against, and there's times where you just don't have a shot. So I love the decision not to play, especially when these women work so hard to get to the playoffs. And then Mm. what happens the first round? They have to play against a man. And I I thought it was a great decision, but those decisions in our culture now come with major consequences. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian school or not, you know, probably doesn't even help if you're a Christian school because they're like, yeah, you're hateful, you're bigoted, you're basing this off some old ancient text uh, about what's accepting and loving. But the decision I thought was a, the right one. And the thing we have to do now is hit them where it hurts. This is happening from the top down. It's happening with the NCAA. It's happening uh, in places like Vermont, where you have the principals association that are making these decisions and allowing these things. The LPGA is allowing uh, some of this stuff. Um, there's someone that's going through the process of trying to get their tour card and it's a biological man. Like this, I don't know why the feminists are so silent. If you are all about women's rights and all about fairness and equality and everything that uh, women before you have stood up for, why are you silent now? Because we're going to get to, we're going to get to a point where, you know, my truth is now uh, trumps everything. Everybody can get offended. They can feel oppressed or they can call something hate speech just because it's based off their truth. Somebody misgendered me. Someone didn't allow me to compete, even though I've gone through all the body mutilations and taken all the pills and gone through this whole process of testosterone blockers and they're still not letting me compete. You know, that that's hateful and I'm going to sue. That's what we're getting to. So like now, now is the time to fight back against this kind of stuff. Um, And there's a organization called icons that people should look up as well. Uh, People like uh, Riley Gaines who competed Mm -hmm. against Leah Thomas. She was a Kentucky. She was a swimmer at the university of Kentucky. She tied Leah Thomas for fifth in one of those events and she's done an incredible job. Marcy Smith is another one who won a national championship years ago with the University of Arizona in swimming. There's a lot of work being done, uh, but plain and simple, awards, opportunities, and uh, fairness are just getting dismantled right now because of nonsense like this. But good for this school stepping up and saying, nah, we ain't going to play this game. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so last week, I'm just going to bring you into a conversation that uh, my regular co-host Michael and I had last week a little bit about Matt Walsh, um, because you've probably seen he got into into Twitter trouble um, last week uh, about whether or not he's too mean towards people like Dylan Mulvaney. I don't know if you saw any of the comments that he made, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of either way, Matt Walsh and his his um, general um tone when speaking and so um what's your take on how christians should operate in terms of niceness to bluntness uh blunt honesty ratio uh as well as like your thoughts on whether or not matt walsh went too far um 
you know, because uh, Michael is a, an incredible co-host. Um, and one of the things that he brings that's kind of unique to the show is that Michael doesn't follow the news because he's so busy with his seminary degree that uh, that was the, that was like we we basically gave him the initial statement by Walsh, followed by criticisms, followed by Walsh responding to criticisms. And that whole conversation was him just processing whether or not that was too far or not. So I'd, I'd love your take on that. Well, I think I'll probably start with this. Matt Walsh is not a Christian. He's a Roman Catholic. Um, So I don't really think it changes how we should act as human beings. Um, But I think specifically us as Christians, I know I can be seen at times as someone that, you know, isn't as loving as they should be. I think sometimes I'm very blunt and I can appreciate Matt Walsh's bluntness at times. But I mean, I can come out and say uh, that like there's no such thing as bisexuals. Um, all you guys are, are just depraved horn dogs. And somebody would be like, "That's hateful." I'd be like, "Well, I I believe that's the truth." Um, but if we're going to look at someone like Dylan Mulvaney, which should break our heart, um, right. and I think it breaks our heart because it breaks God's heart, because you have mm. someone that's living in not just a delusion but they are outwardly showing that delusion that's on the inside. And I think we should always be praying for these people. So like no matter what political side of the aisle you find yourself on, you should be praying uh, for people in leadership. We should be praying for people like Dylan Mulvaney. But at the same time too, I don't think there's any problem with calling this stuff out in a blunt way. If you're going to attack, um, because I know that's where like I I can't get to a specific it's either good or bad. And I don't know if that's even the right way to go about it, because that's what right. people have said with Matt Walsh is, well, if you don't like the way I've gone about it, you just want me to be soft. And like maybe it's not as simple as that. Mm. Maybe there's a sense of we need to be strong without doing a major attack on the inward parts of this person um we can with situations uh like hershey's we can go after hershey's uh when we have the mid vermont christian school uh, dropping out we need to go after the uh principals association when leah thomas is allowed to compete in the national championships we need to go after the ncaa so i think there's times where we're fighting on the the wrong yeah we're and that doesn't mean because people like dylan mulvaney are twisted depraved people that are manipulating so many young people right now and then obviously that goes to the it goes to the next part we're like okay if you're a parent of this child why are you allowing them to digest this kind of content consistently um there and again i don't know what it's like to be a parent so i can't give specific parenting advice, but I think that's what it gets to someone like Matt Walsh that I wish they'd take the next step. It's just a, you know, who is Dylan Mulvaney's parents? Um, Mm. How did they get to this place? Um, But uh, there is nothing wrong with bluntness, but I think if we're starting to attack the inmost part of these people's beings, we're fighting on the wrong hill and we start to become like bullies and we're not getting to the root of the problem. And someone right. like Matt Walsh, I appreciate him very much. Um, 
I've met him a couple of times before. I don't think he'd remember those meetings, uh, but he's always been a kind person that, you know, welcomes debate anytime that he goes to a school or any, any event. But I think we have to realize there's times where I even need to look at myself and be like, okay, I, I have a, a Bible study group that I have a good accountability partners. And that's what we should have as Christians, people that could call us out to be like, yes, that was truth. But you know, it doesn't just make me feel uncomfortable seeing you as a friend post that stuff. It's, I don't know if that's really loving your neighbor. Yeah. Giving the truth is loving, no doubt. Yeah. But the way that you present it, and I know my girlfriend's been fantastic um, at this um, because she's like, hey, from my perspective here, I would, I would never want to have the platform you have, but think about how this is received. Take an extra right. breath and, and don't just try to uh, hammer in on a point that obviously is going to get some people triggered online. Take a step right. back and, and think about, you know, let's remind people scripturally why this is wrong. Let's remind people that Christians don't hate you. We just love you enough to not lie to you or stay silent um, when you're freely tearing apart your life and allowing other people to push you into that delusion. Yeah. And the door swings both ways. You know, there's, there are times when I think we need accountability to push us to be more confrontational because I think we live in a culture that if I was to pick one, we're, we're too non-confrontational. We're, we're much closer to that extreme than we are to the extreme of being too mean. Um, but obviously there is such thing as too mean. And so it's just finding that balance I've really chalked it up um, in my understanding, you know, is when it comes to at least the movement, the conservative movement, um, you know, everyone who has a tool belt needs a hammer. Yep. And the way Walsh approaches things, he is a hammer. And yep. the reality is to someone who's maybe more designed to be, uh, you know, measuring tape, <laughs> the way that the hammer operates is going to be incredibly uncomfortable to witness when you are measuring tape because you are not built to be a hammer. And, you know, that's a, that's just the way I've, I've come to terms with it. But um, I want to, I want to, what go I would ahead say and, to that uh, yeah, real ahead. quick, sorry, sorry to cut you off is um, there are times where we beat people over the head with the Bible uh, where it's like, I just can't believe you don't get this. Uh, like it's, um, I know I was reading over Proverbs 13 today, you know, that's the classic spoil the, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Like you don't, you don't spank a child. And I didn't get spanked as a child and not told, you know, why this is wrong. Mm. And if that chastising is done just out of anger or out of selfish ambition, the lesson is not going to be learned. So there is times too that people need to understand as Christians, we will be talking about absolute truth. It is an absolute truth that we were born male and female. God doesn't make mistakes. Right. But if we give you scripture, we are not beating you over the head with scripture. If you have a problem, let's get down to an absolute truth. But that's where a lot of people are missing it. They don't believe in absolute truth. Yep. They believe in, in, in their truth. So that's what it comes down to too. If we are going to make these strong, bold statements, 
We need to back it up. And this is why we believe this, not just because we had somebody throw some verbal fiery darts at us. Right. Um, here's the reason why we believe what we believe. And this is the reason that we have the hope that we have first Peter three fifteen. Of course. Yeah. And of course, discernment to know that we shouldn't bring up everything to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not every, everything needs to be a public debate. Some things you need to only approach someone when you have a relationship strong enough to withstand the weight of that conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to go through a couple of, of questions. Um, maybe we'll do this a little bit more um, uh, short answer here. Um, since I know you you have to get going, you've been really generous mm-hmm. with your time and I want to respect that. So um, yeah, so uh, I, I know that uh, Turning Point Faith is doing a pastor's conference in the near future. So are you able to say any more about that? Yeah, so we had the pastor's summit coming up in May in Nashville. First time we've ever done it in Nashville. Last year we did it in beautiful Coronado, Southern California. Mm. And I I think it's a beautiful event in a lot of different ways. Uh, We bring in some, some speakers that can uh, really equip the pastors in uh, biblical truth. uh, Cause that's what it's about. I think there's definitely some, some theological differences in that room. So it's vastly different than the shepherd's conference. Uh, where uh, you're going to have a lot of people that are, you know, under the same umbrella in that reform theology. And then you have right. some, uh, you have an event like ours that uh, people are coming from various different places, various different theological backgrounds, um, some issues that are primary to other people or secondary to others. But in general, um, there's a lot of strong pastors in that room that believe in biblical truth and they stick to that. And that's what they preach. Uh, a lot of our TPUSA faith reps really, really care about the pastors that they're connected with in their specific region. They're getting mm-hmm. them coffees in the morning. They're asking if there's any other way that they can they can serve them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of the pastor summit. And one of the best parts of the pastor summit is letting these pastors know that we will be of service. Mm-hmm. You have been a service to your flock. You've been of service to the Lord, and we want to be of service to you to make sure that we're engaging with you with biblical truth and that we're equipping you with biblical truth and that we're encouraging you to go out and live out that great commission, be an authoritative overseer that shepherds their flock well. Uh, So that's coming up in Nashville. I'm excited. We got Dave Ramsey. Uh, I'll give you a little little token that has not been announced yet, mm. but for you guys, uh, I'll let you know that Dave Ramsey is going to be there. So I think awesome. the financial, financial aspect of things is always important to go over. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely some, I, I would say, um, um, you know, not everything I'd say is, uh, got my stamp of approval. Uh, but in general, uh, James Lindsay's there. I know that's created uh, a little bit of controversy. Right. Uh, he's, the, he's the foremost scholar when it comes to critical theory. And uh, he gives a fantastic breakdown. Um, and I think uh, Rob McCoy from Calvary Chapel in Southern California, uh, who who's Charlie Kirk's pastor, yeah. uh, will explain, um, you know, why he's there. And they have a panel discussion. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be Eric a good Metaxas, time. I think is going to be there as well. Uh, yeah. Eric Metaxas will, will be there. Um, and I'm trying to think of, uh, David Englehart from King's church. 
is going to be there as well. Uh, I know there's some, uh, I won't give you the rest of the names. I'll, I'll give you the Dave Ramsey one, but there's All a right. few more uh, pastors and, and big names to, to be announced. Um, awesome. So are you so going to be, be on there? the lookout? I will be there as well. Yes. I love Nashville. So any trip to Nashville, I will definitely not miss. I got awesome. some great, great friends out there, great connections out there. And, it's my uh, neck of the woods, John. So we'll have to, let's go. We'll have to meet up, hang out. No, if you, if you want to go, just, uh, you got my number to shoot me, a, shoot me a text. I'll get you there. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And then I did want to give you a chance to kind of talk through, um, you were recently rejected from monetization from YouTube. So if you wanted to yep. share that story and tell us a bit about, um, your plans to build up around that. So if, if people follow me, uh, or they're new to me, usually I spend most of my time on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Instagram is a place where I've really tried to grow my brand a little bit more. Obviously the most important thing is, uh, doing it for the glory of God and making sure that, you know, with that platform that I'm being, it's not about me. It's about how I can share local truth. But with that, you know, you obviously realize how important YouTube is. And for me that uh, I work for TPUSA, but I also do a lot of things on my own. I have my own personal brand. Uh, the last six months, I've worked really hard to try to put some content together that would hopefully gain some sort of traction that would get me the subscribers I needed. Uh, it would get me the watch hours I needed that eventually would give me the monetization that would be super helpful with me potentially building out some content I've been thinking about for months and months and months. Um, I was really excited after I went to Asbury, I uh, covered that event with journalistic integrity and hopefully gave people answers to some very fiery questions that was happening on Christian Twitter. And, yeah. and so we addressed media. a lot of those too, because Michael was right and, there from the beginning. So Oh, seems we lost, we lost John. Oh, we lost oh, you we there. Back? Welcome back. <laughs> hey, it's good to be back. Um, but what I was, uh, what I was saying about uh, Asbury was, I was going to that place as a journalist, mm. and as a journalist, and as a Christian journalist, I wanted questions answered. And I wanted voices heard from attendees. You're not hearing my commentary. You're hearing them. I might ask some follow-up questions, but I'm not having a debate about whether they really feel like the spirit of the Lord is there more than some other place. Not that they think that this is some sort of healing center. Tell me about uh, your theological background. I didn't need to have those discussions, uh, but I had a great conversation with Abby Lobb, who is the strategic communications director at Asbury. And she was kind enough to give me about a 30 minute interview after a few days of providing me some great access and uh, time with students and faculty and staff and, you know, providing that actually ended up having some YouTube videos just pop off. And I was like, great. Now I've reached a point where I can monetize my channel. And I waited days and days and days. And I think it took about a week uh, until I got a email from YouTube that said, our reviewers have denied you monetization because they believe some of your content is hateful in nature. 
There's no specific examples. They won't show me, hey, this uh, this video is is not going to work. I honestly, I had a unbelievable discussion with Dr. Peter McCullough, who Big Tech has tried to silence um, him along with Dr. Robert Malone. I talked to Peter McCullough about the Damar Hamlin situation mm. and, um, you know, trying to get down to, hey, if this was potentially jab related, like, let's talk it out. Also, let's go over, did the medical staff react in a certain amount of time? And if they did, what was his uh, brain activity look like? All, all those questions. That's what I think of me as when I put my journalist hat on. I put that video out there and within 30 minutes, boom, it got taken down and it was starting, it was starting to pop off. So in general, I'm now at a place where, you know, I'm probably going to try to connect with some people at rumble because I really believe there's a lot of important discussions that need to happen. And obviously for me, I I still think about like, I got to make a living and you know, the decisions I make in my career, I'd like to continue to build out my personal brand a little bit more. So it doesn't have to be attached to some other place. And when that's denied by big tech, it just goes to show that they do not protect free speech whatsoever. They do not feel just like government. They don't feel like the public can decide for themselves what is true and what is right. Uh, so right. it's it's a tough road. Uh, I asked for an appeal. I didn't hear anything back. And then um, I actually had some people that tagged um, – like YouTube reviewers, I can't remember what it's called uh, on Twitter. And then they responded mm-hmm. to me and I gave them some of my information. I still haven't heard back, of course. So mm-hmm. it's tough, but um, guys, guys got a plan. Uh, don't know what that is yet. Um, and it's um, not too happy with YouTube right now. I will, I will tell you that. Yeah. Well, moral of the story is follow John on rumble and follow forge and anvil on rumble. I was telling our audience last week, we just recently got our first video takedown on YouTube and, you know, just, I, I don't even, I think it was something my guests said even, and it just, it's unfortunate because you don't want to tell your guests to censor themselves, you know, and that's just, it's frustrating. But, you know, I was saying, I think there is going to come a time where just biblical truths are just going to be all it takes to get yanked on YouTube. So uh, I think every creative should be finding alt tech and supporting alt tech and, um, you know, if you love content creators, make sure to follow them on multiple platforms because one day they might just be gone from one of the platforms that you use the most frequently. So you got to have those alternative ways of communicating. I mean, I love YouTube in terms of everything that it gives me, um, all the tools, but yep. I I wish that they would just be a little bit more open to free speech. Yeah. And I think there's times where you can beat the system a little bit. I know a lot of times too, it's you don't just jump in, get monetized, and then you're able to make a, a living and quit your job. But there right. is ways where you can provide um, outlets for loyal followers to, you know, send you some money, just leave things as tips. Um, so, and then there's also like other products that are provided. So I'll try to rack my brain a little bit. I'm going to talk to some people about about what yeah. I can do because I think, you know, building up a following like that, I don't want it to be for not, but sorry yeah. to hear you got a video taken down and I really appreciate the time too. I, I love these conversations and everybody that tuned in. I, I really appreciate you guys. I love the stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everyone follow John on all of his social media platforms. Congrats on 10 K on Twitter, by the way. So 
I'm brand new there, so I've got to think uh, 27 and a half, something like that. So awesome, but uh, (laughs) got to start somewhere. But really appreciate all your time, John. Is there anything else you want to shout out before we wrap up here? Uh, Last thing I would say is what we need to do is constantly put on the form or God every single day. Uh, That doesn't mean that I don't fail at that, but we have to be prepared. So when we talk about some of these stories that just seem outrageous, I don't think people should be shocked anymore because this is where the world's going. Obviously, we're going to do whatever we can to spread the gospel, but we need to be prepared. Read 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. You always got to be prepared um, to share the hope that you have. And obviously yeah. we got to do it um, with grace. We got to do it with love and reverence and yeah. 100%. And people need to understand the definition of those terms too, because all the yeah. world's going to do is redefine love. They're going to redefine grace. They're re- redefine acceptance. Um, but if we have a foundation in biblical truth, we're going to be just fine. No matter what kind of arrows, whether they're verbal or physical um, are thrown at us, we'll be able to fight back. Appreciate the time, Connor. Absolutely, man. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for watching. And I will actually be doing a little after stream um, since we're wrapping up a little early tonight. I just have a few things I want to test out technology wise. So if you guys want to join in the chats there for funsies, feel free to join in. It should be up in just a few minutes. But thanks so much, John and everyone. You have a fantastic rest of your Monday night. Thanks, guys.